Welcome to Zion Hill. I'm so happy that you're here with me on today where we are going to study the Word of God. On today, we'll be looking at the book of Ezra. On our last week, uh, Pastor Josh completed the books of Chronicles. So on today, we're going to look at Ezra and we're going to see some very important points uh, in this book that will impact our lives. Um, in the book of Ezra, God stirred the heart of the king. This king's name was King Cyrus, and he stirred the heart of the king to set the captives that were the children of Israel who were being held captive in a land called Babylon. And he let them go free so that they could return to the homeland of Jerusalem. You know, in the book of Isaiah, he had prophesied earlier about the release of the children of Israel. As a matter of fact, he had prophesied some 200 years earlier about the release of the Jews from the land of Babylon. And you can review this scripture for yourself in the book of Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28. And by the way, if you're a Bible studier, just remember that the Bible is not in chronological order. So during your study time, don't be thrown off if you hear a scripture or something that happened at, a, at some time earlier because of the fact the Bible is not in chronological order. But isn't it amazing? You know, King Cyrus set the Jews free and he is an unbeliever. You know, God can use an unbeliever to carry out his plans and purposes. That is so amazing. This king named Cyrus, he worshiped idol gods. In Psalms 21 and 1, it says that the heart of the king is in God's hand. And he can direct the heart of a king, any leader. He can direct their hearts to do whatever he chooses for them to do. But just rest assured, when it is your time to be blessed, when it is your time for God to move in your life, no devil in hell can stop your blessing except you. You can stop your own blessing. In Deuteronomy 28 and 1, God said, if you obey his commandments and if you obey his laws, that he himself, he declared that he will cause his blessings to come upon you. That does not mean that you won't have any adversities. That doesn't mean that things won't happen and you will uh, endure hard times. Because sometimes things do happen. The enemy doesn't want you to lay hold to the promises of God. And so when he sees that you are getting near to achieving something, to when you get near to laying hold of the precious promises of God, the enemy will raise up his little head. But my word of encouragement to you today is, don't be weary in well-doing because the Lord said in due season, you will reap if you don't give up. 
The King James Version says, you will reap if you faint not. That means if you don't give up, the bottom line is hang in there. If you just hang in there a little while longer, you will reap the promises. I'm speaking to that man or that woman out there today. You about to throw in the towel. You about to throw up both hands. You're going through something and you might want to give up, but don't give up. God is a rewarder to them who diligently seek him. Amen. I'm going to shout amen because I've experienced that even in my own life. You can just hang on in there. Come hell or high water, you know, it may get tough sometime, but you just hang in there. Basically, you know, and moving on and looking at the book of Ezra, in chapter two, it basically just gives you a rundown of the different families that were in the Jews who were returning to Jerusalem. They were in exile. And it just gives you a list of names, the different families and all. And you know, this Bible is so significant. Even in the groups, it even said that there were church people who were even in this group. They had singers and musicians and all kinds of people. All of these people were held in exile in Babylon. There were more than some 50,000 people that traveled more than 900 miles journeying back home to Jerusalem. And they had chosen a leader. The leader was a guy by the name of Zerubbabel. And when they had arrived at Jerusalem, they didn't start right away under Zerubbabel's leadership. The first thing that they did when they got to Jerusalem is they built an altar. Look now, they went back to Jerusalem. They were going back to their homeland. They were told by King Cyrus, God had told them to return. And when they get there to build God a temple that he may dwell with them, there will be a place for them to go and worship him. And therefore, when they got to Jerusalem, they didn't start right away with just building a temple. The first thing that they did was they built an altar and they began to worship God. They began to thank God. Their, their return back to Jerusalem was during a time when there was the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is the time of the year where the Jewish people celebrated God. It served as a reminder of the 40 year journey that they took when they were in the wilderness. If you remember uh, when Moses led the children out of Egypt to the promised land, they tarried 40 years in the wilderness. And the Feast of the Tabernacles is to commemorate uh, this long journey, the journey of the 40 years, how good God was to them, how he kept them, he fed them, you know, in the wilderness, they had, they had manna when they were in the desert. God was really, really good to them. My question to you today, when, when was the last time that you stopped to thank God? When was the last time that you stopped to thank God for all the things that he has done in your life? You know, many people 
they are looking for something really big and to thank God for. But you know, we must learn to thank God even in the little things, in the small things. You know, thank God for just a drink of water. I know one day I was sitting there putting some lotion on. I said, Lord, I thank you for lotion. Amen. It's something, this something so minute and so small. We got to learn to thank him in it. Thank God that you have a place to stay. It may not be the most luxury place. It may not be the fanciest place, but just thank God for where you are, for where you at. Because there are people who don't have a place to stay. There are people who don't have food to eat. There are people who don't even have clothes to wear. Thank God for the small things, the things that, you know, other people think that are uh, luxury items. We have a tendency to become so complacent because we have so much of it. We have so much food, so many clothes, so many shoes and hats and purses, cars, you know, and sometimes we just get kind of complacent, but we just have to sit back sometime and say, Lord, thank you. Give God a anyhow praise for all the things that he has done. The next thing that, you know, that they done under the leadership of Zerubbabel was they got together and organized. You notice I say they built the, the uh, whenever they first got there, they built an altar. After they had worshiped God, after they had celebrated, they then began to organize. Amen. They got the carpenters together. They got masons. They got the bricklayers. And they also went and got supplies and everything organizing to build the new temple. I hope that you can see a pattern here today on what the children of Israel were doing. The first thing they prayed, amen. Whenever they returned back to Jerusalem, they built an altar and they prayed. They prayed in the morning. They prayed in the evening. That was the custom during that time of the Jews. They often prayed. And then they began to organize to get the resources and the people needed to do the job of building the temple, the carpenters, the masons, and the labor, the workforce, the supplies, the materials, the things that they needed to prepare for the building. You know, Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 14, verse 28, he said, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cause whether you have enough to finish it. We have to sit down first and count the cost to make sure that we have adequate supply to do the things that we need to do. It doesn't matter whether it's a church. It doesn't matter whether it's a house or whatever the task may be at hand. First, you sit back and count the cost to make sure that you have sufficient enough manpower, enough supplies to complete the job. And finally, finally the following year, they got started in, in completing 
the foundation of the building. When the foundation was completed, they stopped and they celebrated again. Look at the pattern again. They built an altar and they prayed and they celebrated. Then they sit back and they organized, they planned. And then finally they got to a point where they laid the foundation and they completed the foundation. God talks about establishing your home, your family, your marriage and everything on a firm foundation. And he tells us that that foundation is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the rock of our salvation and he is the foundation for which we should build our lives, our families, our homes, our careers. They praised the Lord after they had built that foundation, after they had completed it, they began to praise God. They praised God with a loud voice. They, they played the drums and the cymbals and they shouted with a loud voice and they cried just thanking God for the foundation of the temple. You know, I told you earlier that when God gets ready to bless you, no man, no devil in hell can stop you. I also told you that it doesn't mean that you won't face any challenges. You know, whenever they finish with the foundation, the enemy rose his ugly head. The enemy rose up against the Jews. The people that had returned to Jerusalem, guess what? They heard about it. They heard that the Jews who had been held captive in the land of Babylon, that they had returned back to Jerusalem, that they were building a temple. As a matter of fact, they were rebuilding a temple because there once was a temple there that had been destroyed. And they heard about it. You know, the enemy will hear that you're doing a good job. The enemy will hear that you've gone back to school. The enemy will hear that you're in the process of trying to buy a house. And the enemy will raise up his ugly head. Guess what they did? The local people tried to discourage the children of Israel or the, the Jewish people. They tried to discourage them from building the temple. They told lies on the people of God. You know, they went to King Cyrus and they told all kind of lies about them. They sent letters to the king with lots of nonsense. And guess what? God has spoken to King Cyrus and King Cyrus, he didn't even waste his time in listening to him. Now, this is a man who, who served pagan gods, but he acknowledged the fact that he had heard from the God of the Jews. But King Cyrus finally died and several other kings uh, came into reign after him. Uh, under the reign of King Artaxerxes, the building of the temple actually stopped. Ladies and gentlemen, when you set out to carry out your vision that God has given you, no matter what, don't give up 
and don't stop. When you carry out God's plans and purposes for your life, when you get started on a plan, let me tell you, the enemy is not nice. He is not nice to God's people and he doesn't like it. You will get resistance, resistance from the enemy when you walk it into your plan and purpose that God has for you. He said, I have a plan for you and that plan is good and not evil. If that is you, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. God will see you through. Did you hear what I just said? God will see you through. No matter what it is, you know, the enemy may even be trying to bring sickness or disease upon you. Don't throw in the towel. Don't, don't give up because God is on your side and God will see you through. That's why whenever Moses asked God, when the people ask you, what is, ask me, he says, if they ask me, what is your name? He say, tell them I am sent you. And you know, one day I asked, what does that mean? I am sent you. And you know, God just spoke to me and says, I am everything that you need to be, me to be. He says, I am your healer. I am your provider. I am your way maker. I am your burden bearer. I'm your heavy load sharer. I'm your all in all. I am the sun whenever you get up in the morning and the moon when you go down at night. I am your all in all. God is all we need him to be. Now, another king finally came on the scene and uh, his name was Darius. And Darius began to reign and he began to initiate an investigation into all the accusations made against the Jews during the reign of King Cyrus. Now, let me remind you now, during the reign of King Artaxerxes, they had to stop building the temple. He stopped them from building the temple. But now we have a new king on the scene, King Darius. And King Darius, he didn't stop him from building the temple per se, but what he did was he started an investigation into all the complaints and the accusations made against God's people whenever they had began to rebuild the temple. In the meantime, guess what happened? Men of God, the prophets who were in Jerusalem, God began to speak and to move on his prophets. People like Haggai and Zechariah, they came to the people, to the Jews, with messages from God. And the message he gave them, he encouraged them to continue or resume the construction of the temple. And get this. He encouraged them and told them that the Lord, our God, he is going to personally oversee the building of the temple himself. What a mighty God we serve just to know that God has our back. 
that God is overseeing every situation that we go through. It is amazing. He didn't send somebody else to oversee it. God said, I'm going to oversee this matter myself. The temple was finally, finally, it was completed. It was dedicated with great joy and celebration. Ezra, who is the priest, he guided a second group of Jews back to Jerusalem. And he began to provide the leadership in the temple. He, Ezra had a passion for God. He had a passion to study God's word. He had a passion to obey the laws of God. And he also was passionate about teaching God's people, teaching God's people, God's word, his precepts. And that passion was so great on him that he wanted to provide the leadership in the temple. The question here today is, what drives you? Do you have a desire to live right or do the right thing? What drives you? Do you have a desire to paint? Some people have a desire or a passion for art. Some have a passion for singing. And those people who have passions about certain things, they're passionate about the, the dream and the gifts that God has placed in them. They have a tendency to go after their dream, to go after their passion. Do you have a passion to obey God? Hmm. Think about that for a moment. Just think about it. God has been so, so good to the, to the Jews. Very good to the Jews. He brought them out of the land of Egypt. Now they ended up in the land of Babylon. Now God has moved on the king and caused a great deliverance. And now the children of Israel, there were more than 50,000 of them. Those Jews are the children of Israel, the same group of people. They now are back in Jerusalem. They are back with their people. They have built a temple they are, they are celebrating God. They are celebrating him for his goodness. They're celebrating God for his mercy. You know, that's the way I am. I love to celebrate God for the things that he has done in my life. But you know, so oftentimes when God has been so good to us, we have a tendency to forget. We have a tendency to forget how good God has been. You know, Ezra received the news that the people of God, the Jews whom God had blessed, and not only that, these were God's chosen people. Ezra was so hurt that he got news that the Jews had began to sin. Yes, the people that God has been so good to. He's been so kind and so gracious to these people began to sin. They began to live like the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, 
the Amorites, the Pezzarites, all the ites who were in the land. These are the people who were dwelling in the land of Israel, which was before called Canaan. These are people who were not followers of God. They did not, they did not serve the true and living God. They believe in paganism and witchcraft and all sorts of things. And God had warned them through Moses early on to tell the Jews, tell the children of Israel, do not get hooked up with these people. Do not marry these people. Don't fellowship with these people. Why? Because these people are bad news. Amen. The Bible tells us, you know, in Psalms 1 and 1, not to sit in the council of the ungodly or in the seat of the scornful. Because when you began to fellowship and hang out with bad people, guess what happens? You began to take on their customs. You began to act like them. You began to do the same things that they were doing. They began living like heathens. They married into these ungodly people. The men married these ungodly women and women married these ungodly men. You know, and on hearing this, Ezra, who was the priest, and in today's terms, you may say the pastor. Yes, he was the pastor of the church. He heard about the gross sins of the people and he was so distraught, he tore his clothes and he stretched out on the ground of the, in front of the temple and he began weeping and praying and making confessions on behalf of the people. People of God, ladies and gentlemen, we all need what we call an intercessor, someone who will stand in the gap for us when we are all deep in our messes, in our sin. We need somebody to stand in the gap for us, someone to go to God on our behalf. And that's what Ezra did. He laid out in front of that temple, praying, crying out to God, because God's chosen people, the Jews, they had began to live in sin. Thank God for the people who have prayed for you. When you were out there in the world, when you were out there bad, when you were hooking and crooking, when you were doing your thing, you were operating like fast food that I won't call the name of, you know, having it, you, you were having it your way. Yes, they were, you were doing all the things that you thought you were big enough to do and bad enough to do. Somebody was burning incense on your behalf. Incense is known, brothers and sisters, as prayer. Somebody prayed for you. You know, in my case, I knew that my mother and my father prayed for me. I know that my pastor prayed for me. Somebody somewhere is praying for you. By the way, 
If you desire prayer, there are prayer counselors right here today. They are ready and they are waiting for you to pray with you if you need prayer. Call the number that's on the screen. The book of Ezra ends with a sense of urgency. Ezra called an emergency church meeting and he gave the people three days to get to the church. Why three days? Because they didn't have cars like we do on today. They had to walk to the church and they had to come from distances far and near. He called a solemn church meeting. The meeting was to straighten out the mess created by living in sin and marrying into sin. The people of God, the Jews, they were trembling because of the seriousness of the matter. Yes, and they also knew that they had sinned and that they had done wrong and that they had not pleased the Lord their God who had brought them out. On the day of this meeting, there was a heavy, heavy rainfall. But Ezra came out, the people came out in the rain, you know, and some of us, we got it so good this day and time when it sprinkled a little bit, we won't even come to church. But the Bible tells us here in the book of Ezra, it came a great downpour and the people, the Jews, they met him there. They were there in countless numbers. And Ezra delivered a message. He, de I call it a message with a plan. He delivered a message with a plan to fix the situation. If you would read Ezra chapter 10, but guess what my brothers and sisters, this plan, it was very, very firm. He told the Jews, you've got to divorce these paganistic people. And if by chance that you in the marriage, if you had children, you got to divorce yourself away from them and away from the children. Guess what? Many of us will say, I can't do that. But guess what, brothers and sisters? We are now under grace. Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, verse 13, there is no temptation. There is no sin, no mess that we can find ourselves into that is common to man. But the word says, God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not suffer us to be tempted above what we are able. It says that God will create a way of escape for us. If you want to get out of whatever circumstances you are in, the enemy may have brought it up on you. Guess what? You might've willfully got into a mess on your own recognizance. But if you want to get out, God said in his word, he will create a way of escape. If you are in a bad situation, brother and sister, if your life is in chaos, if your life is in a mess, there is a way out. 
with God, all things are possible. Just as the Jews rededicated the temple, you know, brothers and sisters, we have to rededicate ourselves to God. You know, if you rededicated yourself to God, this day, God will be pleased. Wherever you are in your homes, you may be driving down the road. You, don't, you can say, Lord, forgive me. Restore me back to you, Lord. Lord, help me to live right and to do the right thing. And on top of that, God said that he will restore you. He said, if any man, any woman repent of their sins, he's faithful and he is just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a mighty God we serve. What a wonderful lesson that we have learned in the book of Ezra, how God is such a good God, even though he brought us out, even though we messed up after the fact and did the wrong things. God is faithful. God is just. As a matter of fact, God gets excited when one of his sons or daughter, his children, come back to him. My word for you today, just as in the book of Ezra, come back to God and he will receive you and restore you as his very own child. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us today.